You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are short-staffed today. Usually we are missing a lady, but we're missing ladies and dudes. Uh, so it's just a dude, dude, dude podcast today, but we're happy to get this day started. Uh, we have uh, myself, who's our host, Alan, our producer, stepping in uh, once again, and uh, our, our, our visionary, uh, the one who put us all, all this together, uh, Philip Janice, Phil Janice. So happy to have us all today. Let's get it started with our grateful moment. Um, Phil, get us started. Hey, good morning, everyone. All our overseas fans, we see you, not Belize, but Bovolia, I think. We will big you up. Thank you for listening. Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Um, I'm grateful for this past Thursday. I celebrate my 20th anniversary with my lovely wife. We've been together, friends, together for over 25 years. So 20 together, 20 years of marriage. So we were able to take a little trip. So I'm filming on location, <laughs> which is great. Um, spending a little time with the family on a vacation. Finally got out of the U.S. So we appreciate that. I'm grateful for God for giving us a negative COVID test and and safe travel mercy. So keep us in prayer to return safely. Alan? Alexa, play anniversary by Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful for family. Uh my I call her my twin my sister and brother-in-law my nephew were in town for the rest of the month and we went bowling with my mother last night and my mother was uh she was low-key eating last night so I was happy that we can spend some quality time while they were in town to go bowling so I'm grateful for that it's always good always good to, to have family in town always good to uh, go bowling um I'm also grateful uh, just for life, just life in general, right? Because yeah, I, I found us today uh, the passing of um, um, Henry Fordham the third and his wife. So, you know, life is fragile, uh, and so the fact that I've lived this this long in the midst of the madness of this world in these times, I'm just grateful to be alive. Uh, as we transition, I mean, I, I know many of us, many people are probably calling uh, Philip Janice and I false prophets. Uh, we, we said, well, Phil said it's gentleman's sweep. I said, I can see five, six, but now for, for Phoenix to win, they got to pull off seven. So what do you, what do y'all's take on uh, the game since we last talked games um, three, four, and five? Here's the crazy thing. I didn't watch the games because I thought Phoenix is going to take care of business. I have to confess my foster one brothers, one another. I am wrong. The series has taken a turn and Giannis figured it out. I think Boozerhauser must have called Pop or, or the team or something because this team is not playing the same way. Even last night, even the game Saturday night, they were down in the first quarter by 16, but the Bucks were able to turn around. The most deadliest thing he could do is give a team confidence. And I think they got that from game game three and game four. Uh, game three and game four was, was the turnaround game. They had to win back-to-back at home, and they did it with confidence, with ease. 
Two, I think Chris Paul is back in his head. He something in his psyche. I've never seen Chris Paul turn over the ball uh, like he had. I think he did three times in the last minute in the these past three, um, three games from um, game four and five, game three, four, and five. Um, took critical turnovers. You know, no, actually, Booker had the last critical turnover. Um, CP had the last prior two games. It is crazy. If he, the key is going to be CP. I don't know if he's healthy or, or I know everybody's playing banged up, but he needs to figure out, yo, this is maybe his only shot to get this ring. And maybe the only, this is the only shot for both teams because neither of these teams are coming back next year in the finals. <laughs> so this is the only, it's like the Knicks in 99. Yes, I'm talking about the Knicks. The last time the Knicks was in the finals was in 1999. It was a season, shortened season and miraculously an eight seed went to the final. This season, Nets was broken up. Lakers fell apart. And so you had two teams took advantage of the situation and you're in the finals. But right now, CP, I'm rooting for you, man. I'm rooting for you. You know, I work with your aunt, so I have nothing to say but to root for you, man. I so, see, man. We're good friends. We're good friends. <laughs> respect. I, I don't know. I don't know you personally, but I know your auntie. <laughs> I worked with her for 16 years. I believe in you. You cast away all those past sins. Stay focused. You can get this done. You are the key to this final. You know. I hope you pick LeBron's brain, too. You know how to win this game. Get out of your feelings. Get out of yourself. Okay. Dang, Phil, you was long-winded. I thought we said we was going to try to keep this episode short. But, nah. <laughs> um, what I think is going on with, uh, with Phoenix, I would say game three, DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble. Yeah. Because the game was close. He gets in foul trouble. You're already thin on the front line. Once he gets in foul trouble, that's when the Bucks started pulling away. Game four, um, man, Phoenix had 17 turnovers, dude. Like, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win that way at all. Like a lot of, like Monty said after game four, a lot of their the negative situations that they had in yeah. game four were mm-hmm. fixable. Um, so, I mean, I kind of expected this game to be close. Um, but the game from last night, like if you would have told me that, I mean, Giannis had 32, so I wouldn't be surprised by that. But if you would have told me Drew and Middleton would have 27 and 29 points in an away game, I'm a, I would be like, are you sure? <laughs> are you really sure? Because they play totally different on the road than they do at home. But it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see what happens now when you got those three players and they're basically playing at their highest peak at this particular like for this particular game it's gonna be hard to win especially when you got Pat Connaughton coming off the bench giving you fourteen points and then Bobby Portis giving you nine but I mean we're just gonna have to see what happens um, I think the ball for Phoenix needs to move a little bit more. And they're going to have to be able to dictate the pace because whenever they're dictating the pace, that's when they look basically like you can't stop us. But when that ball gets uh, stagnant and everyone's just standing there watching, I feel like that's when it's easy for the Bucks to really just lock in defensively. Like you can run sets through Chris Paul 
um, on occasions. But if you're just waiting for him to just facilitate to make the play, I feel like it's just easier to defend the Suns. So I just think the ball has to pop more. Or even if Chris Paul is in with campaign, I feel like Chris could play a bit more off the ball Mm -hmm. just to get that pace going. And then it just makes everyone else have to do just a little bit more. And you have to be concerned about other players instead of just being locked in on whoever you're guarding. Yeah. So I think, I think um, a couple of things that kind of come to my mind in the series. One, uh, this is an interesting, I feel like this series presents an interesting dynamic. Most people say, if you're going to win an NBA championship, you need to have a dynamic wing scorer. I think Chris Middleton can score from the wing. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm disrespecting Chris Middleton, right? But he's not a dynamic to me. He's not a dynamic, you know, wing player. He's not like, if you look at the last championship teams, Le- LeBron teams, right? Or, or KD with the Warriors or Clay Thompson, they had dominant wing, a dominant wing presence. I don't see Chris Middleton as a dominant wing presence. I see him as a very good wing presence. But you're seeing a team that is mainly driven by an interior player who tries to at times shoot shoot the three ball, going up against a team with a dominant wing player in, in Devin Booker, a dominant big and uh, a point guard playing a point guard playing at elite level, and and now they are almost at the brink of elimination so i think this 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 series could i don't think it changed the paradigm because i think to phil's point um a lot of things had to happen for the bucks to get here you need you needed the sixers to choke uh against against the hawks and you needed um kd and the nets to have a litany of injuries but it does present an interesting dynamic that shows that maybe, and I don't think this is going, I think this is more of a outlier than it is the norm that you can still win a championship with a dominant interior player without a dominant wing player. Now, Chris Mendes is playing very good in this series. Um, so I think that these guys will have to um, adjust. I think, I think, I think Phoenix had, I think Phoenix has gotten overconfident in themselves. I think that there is, once they get up big on them, like, I think they assume like, oh, we're up 16 at home. We're about to take this. Um, and so I think they've gotten comfortable in dealing with the, um, with the Bucks, thinking that they're the better team. But now they're going to have to come out and play because as to, to Chris, uh, not to Chris's point, to Allen's point, in game three, Aiden went out. In game four, Booker was in foul trouble down the stretch. That that put them in position to to on the brink of losing. So I think you, you say to yourself, oh, well, you know, this happened or that happened, but it's not going to happen. But now you're at the brink of elimination. You got to come out and play your best basketball uh, and they have to play smarter in the guts of the game. But but also something we didn't mention, where does Giannis's block on Aiden rank in terms of all-time finals blocks? In my lifetime, yeah. I mean, from all the blocks that I've seen, it's probably like I would say one. Whoa, 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 Alan, 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 Alan. I said in my lifetime, Alan, Alan, you're over LeBron, over Ingadala. First and foremost, here's the difference. Okay, I always say this all the time. 
LeBron's block was was great on Iguodala, but if J.R. Smith is not back, he don't get that block. No, I always I always say this. It's a great block. But see, here's the difference. This is and this is the difference. For one, Giannis, he had to play the pick and roll, right? Okay. He had to defend it, right? Right. He defended it. Right. Then on top of that, Devin Booker threw the lob. Yeah. But I always say this too. For the way that Devin Booker threw the lob, it gave Giannis more time. But if you actually like have like see the actual screenshot of how how high he had to go or how quick he had to recover to block it, dude, that was the same way LeBron is like was like the turning point in the game was the same thing for the Bucks to win that game because the game was tied. Yeah. Like if you just want to put okay because it was a game 7, I'm not even talking about just situations. I'm just talking about blocks alone. Like to to defend it, to defend to defend a pick and roll and then to come back and basically you had the chance to get postered. So your your degree of difficulty to recover and potentially get postered is a lot more impressive than just a regular chase down block because guess what Giannis had a chase down block and what game two on a hurt leg like that's why I'm like I right, cool a chase down block but guess what I forgot who was back Chris Middleton was back he was able to he was able to get the block that's why I'm like in my lifetime I mean LeBron's block is great and all but I think to defend the pick and roll and then to come back to recover it and to potentially get dunked on but you block the lob nothing but all ball. And that ultimately like changes the momentum throughout the game for you to pull out the dub is like overly impressive to me. Paul Allen, he only lived a couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years. And where are you gonna pull from? Uh -huh. where are you gonna pull from? When we pull from? Well, we said finals, right? Yeah. And um I you know the playoff, I've seen a, a band. Out of Bayou block against Jason Tatum, and okay. even though it wasn't a final, it was a nice playoff block. You know, the ball was in the rim, yeah. right? So, but we're going finals, and you have to give LeBron James a little a higher than Giannis. If and the butts, listen, if the Booker, Booker threw the ball too high, right? Two, um, Aiden didn't have full control of that ball. If he had full control of that ball, he would have broke Giannis' wrist. All right, so he caught it when he was trying to grab control of it. Yes, the recovery was excellent. It was great, and it was nice. But it was two big guys that often block each other. That's what they do. Part of the game is blocks. They seven-footers, 6'11", seven-footers block each other. So you expect them to do a couple of blocks, a couple of wild blocks. LeBron, come on. LeBron chased the dude. Chased the dude all the way down. He was ahead of him. Had to time it. Had to time it. And Eagle, you know, these NBA players don't miss layups that easily. And the ball was at the top of the peak. You know how hard it is to block shots? Too. Who's playing a broken leg? Andre Iguodala. Oh, that's why he didn't dunk it? No, Iguodala had to dodge dodge um, Smith, right? Because he had to... Yeah, JR. He had to dodge Earl. He had to dodge Earl, right? And he laid it up. Easy layup. LeBron was three miles away. And this dude chased it down like a cheetah. Jumped. Time perfectly. Jumped. Block it because if the ball had a centimeter drop, it would have been called an offensive 
of it would have been called goaltending. Perfectly timed. And that remember, the Golden State Warriors were these are two superior teams. These two teams are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting Phoenix down or Bucks, but they kind of made a happenstance. We knew Golden State and we knew that Cavaliers was going to a final and this would have been an epic battle. So to me, that was a higher. I would put this number two because the position, like you say, was a pick and roll and how Giannis recovered was excellent. It was, it was the dream come true. Every coach would love to see. But in reality, like you said, if there's a buts, the, the, the toss up, the alley was too high. Eight and a half control. These are two seven-footers. Well, six, six, 11 seven-footers. You know, they block. That's what they do for a living. They block. Look, man, I just got to say this. You're saying this like Andre Iguodala is like 6'9". LeBron is 6'9", and Andre Iguodala is like 6'6", six, six, dude. Come on. They both they both be pinning people. Giannis like, is 6'11", and eight and seven two. Two inches apart. Who does blocking? Oh. These dudes block know, all the time. They average know, a block a game. What, LeBron, how many blocks he average? Know, he hardly blocks. He's called the Greek freak for yes. a reason. Yes, he's a Greek freak. Oh. But guess what? You didn't even watch the game. Were you? Which game were you more paying attention to? Which final were you paying attention? Which was much more epic? Which was much more dramatic? So Allen is. Here's the thing, Phil. Allen is saying the block itself. He's not evaluating based on context of the environment. And your argument That's is context of the environment. So yes. So, I mean, I think it could go either way, but, but I mean, I think I personally, I'm taking in context, right? Not just mm-hmm. the lateral, lateral recovery and all those things, which is still, I think, I think Allen has a profound point. The block in of itself in isolation. But because it's a finals block, because we're giving the context of the final, I think that just you have to consider the, the momentum of the game, how, LeBron just soared and keep, it looked like it was going in and all of a sudden LeBron just appears. Uh, so I think, I think those things um, were important, but I think Allen breaks valid points of, of, of just the recovery, blocking a taller player, blocking alley is hard. It's not easy to block alley that, that, so getting all that um, makes, makes, makes it a case. So transitioning to other news outside the finals, uh, this week, Damian Lillard was reported to be about to request a trade. He later went out and denied those reports, although there's still speculation that he really didn't deny it. He, he, just, he was trying to save face with organization. Uh, cap or no cap, do you think Dame Lillard requested a trade or not? Dame, 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 Dame. I'm sorry to cut you off, but this is too juicy. If you listen to the presentation, this dude said, I did not request <laughs> word game. If Deanna's on, she would have validated this as a lawyer. He said that I did not request. Remember how this guy's work. It's not him, but team members or his representation or, or, or family members get the word out. This is too much chatter. And this chatter has been happening on for uh, quite some time. So, like, as soon as they lost, and remember, the final playoff ended in beginning of June. We're in July. We've been hearing this chatter. So all this chatter doesn't come to nothing. And plus, all the rumor about him, he wasn't happy with the coach high. He wanted Jason Kidd, and, and he doesn't feel – it has to be some – where's there smoke this fire? So, Damien, 
you, Damian, uh, literally Damian Lillard, what he stated was, I didn't state. Because he didn't state it, I'm going to say he's not lying. But the request, I believe, was made. So, cap. In the fact that the request was made, but not through his, his lips, technically, wink, 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 but was made through his camp. So, he's out. And I know as a Knicks fan, it's not going to happen. But it would be nice to get him. But, you know, I've been through this role so many times. You know, KD, LeBron, and... We probably gonna get we probably get Lonzo <laughs> or Saxon. We ain't get Damien. So it is what it is. I think his cap on the fact that his camp, which includes you, is making a request or is putting up the smoke signals. Okay. Alan. I'll say this. I'll say no cap. Right. Now Damien is a is an Oakland kid, so word is bond. And I believe that, especially from him, just knowing how he carries himself. And I'll just I'll just say this. Um, there was a quote that that came out that was said that okay, we keep going to the playoffs, but we think, oh, because we're losing. It's the coach. And he got a point. It's not the coach to to at fault. It's the personnel that you're bringing in. So I don't even really think that the whole the whole little situation with Dame right now has anything to do with like coaching, to be quite honest. I think it has everything to do with um the personnel that you're bringing in. Like, yo, like, yeah, we're cool offensively but we can't stop nobody to save our lives. And that's been their MO for years now. And I feel like it comes a point to where you have to continue to bring in the personnel that that helps bring that. Yeah, they brought Covington in, but who else is going to strap up? Like, you're going to need another rim protector. I mean, granted, Zach Collins is always hurt, but um, he's at least mobile mobile enough to defend somebody you got Nurkic Shields always getting hurt as well so I feel at some point the GM is going to have to make some kind of personnel moves this offseason and if he doesn't like I would say probably by the year I'll say probably by next year he'll be looking to be out but I but I will say I don't think he's gonna he would request a trade this year Right. I think, I think, I think it's uh, no cap as well. I think that um, even the Jay Kidd situation, right? I mean, Jason Kidd said he's not interested where he wants to go. I mean, how, how can you fault an organization for trying to bring the right coach that you want, but he goes somewhere else? Uh, it's not, it's not the same as the Sean Watson and the Houston Texans. They're refusing to interview the chief's head coach. Um, so, um, so I think no cap. And I think within his press conference, he gave room. Now, he didn't do one of these things, say, I want to be in this team forever. Uh, but he did say that he, um, but as I'll allude to, personnel's an issue. Um, and I think he's put a timeline on them. So I think this is what I would, my, I would mark as a, if, it, if you have a, a, a yellow, orange, red, in terms of um, level of concern, yellow being the least, orange being moderate, 
red being alert, alert, get out. I think it's at an orange. This season will turn it to a red if personnel changes aren't made. But there's also a secondary issue. Who wants to go to Portland? I mean, just who wants to go to Portland, Oregon? Because, you know, free agency, who wants to go to Portland, Oregon? So um, we'll be interested to see. And but Tomlin's point, AI is as real as he comes. He said he wanted to be a sixer forever, and that man was asked for a trade behind closed doors. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, and transition, transition to our final NBA topic. Um, the Sixers made Ben Simmons available, or they say that he's available uh, for trade this offseason. Who do you think the Sixers? will uh go after sixes are going for a bag of chips <laughs> scrap metal <laughs> anyone who will shoot the ball <laughs> yeah y'all take frank Kitty. anybody i don't care i don't really care about the sixes go for anybody all i know is that the process has failed <laughs> you only got one gold nugget out of the whole process so who cares I don't care. I don't care. Take anybody. Get rid of it. Dismantle the team. And like I said, Thibodeau is the better coach. Out. I'm out. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But the player I would actually like to see teamed up with Joel Embiid is De'Aaron Fox. So I have two different lanes, right? So one, we have to discredit everything Phil just said. A process can't process can't fail if you have the number one seed in the NBA. Number two, Ben Simmons' market is robust. The question is, is his market robust to pull off a Damian Lillard? I mean, and so, you know, if, if I'm the Sixers, if you're talking about building for finals contention, you, you do whatever you can to get Dame Lillard into the city of Philadelphia. And city of Philadelphia would probably build a statute for that man upon arrival like people think you know danny green was critical of the fan base this week even though he got death threats from the lakers when he missed that three last year uh, lakers fans uh but um the question is how much would the six have to give up in addition to ben simmons to get damian lillard um so the sixers have one blue chip and one prospect that really could be a blue chip if he just started shooting basketball but anyway um the second this but but a player that really interests me i do like the aaron fox but i don't think sacramento wants to give it the aaron fox uh a player <clears throat> that really interests me is zach levine that is a guy that i would love to see but the question is if you bring in zach levine you're going to still need a bona fide point guard so if you bring zach levine that you then have to go hard in the Lonzo market. Um, but so I think I think the Sixers are really just testing the waters. I don't think they're very serious about trading Ben as of yet. I think that they, uh, you know, Doc has spoken about, you know, he knows how to fix Ben. That is yet to be determined. San Cristel is, is an excellent developmental coach, though. So it'd be interesting to see Sam working with him for a full offseason. People fail to, fail to acknowledge Ben was injured during the offseason. And there was not a lot of time to even really learn the system, not a lot of time to really learn the players. 
and Ben was not put in a position, I feel, to uh, this offseason to really develop his jumper. So that's that. Well, now, this, now granted, this is on Ben because Ben should have learned to be shoot years ago. But, um, yeah, th those are the, the big things. Um, I, 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 but I would want Dame Lillard. If I can't get Dame Lillard, I would like Zach Levine. But if you, give, if you go for Zach Levine, you have to do it now and pull off Lonzo. Otherwise, you might as well keep what you have. Uh, let him rebuild his, his trade market um, and see if you can get him to begin to attempt jump shots. Good luck. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode. We are excited for our next episode to come out. So please check it out. Uh, and football is on deck. We out. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.